Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the third hour of the program. Delighted to have you with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Across the country, bad, bad night for Democrats last night. Oh, the tears of unfathomable sadness. Mm, yummy, yummy, you guys. I could spend all day talking about it, but we have other things to talk about as well because I have a friend who has a book out. He happens to be coming to Atlanta for a book signing, and y'all all all know him as well. Brian Kilmeade joins me. How are you? Well, I'm I'm great. I mean, I'm fascinated by what took place last night. I've been talking about it all day uh, as things still continue to unfold. So it's amazing how much things have turned around in the last 10 months for on the political landscape. I don't care who you are, Democrat, Republican, Independent. Things are changed today. Yeah, it really, really is. Now, I, I listen. I gotta ambush you with this because because you're up in uh, New York and yeah. uh, Nassau County. Just it, what a Republican blowout there. Bruce Blakeman, uh, I was at an event and all these Republicans were kind of somewhat at a rally. Uh, Seventy-seven WABC is kind enough to carry the show, and the president uh, is there, John Castamatidis, and he's being honored. So I went there. Next thing you know, it's. It, it ends up being more of a Republican rally, and I said, I can't really be part of this. But before I left, I saw the spirit in the room, and I saw how packed it was, and I was talking to people, I'm like, you guys always this pumped up? And he says, no, there's a sense that something big is going to happen. I thought, well, Laura Curran's a pretty strong executive. It's a powerful, rich, uh, not solely rich, there's, there's all different types, but a powerful Nassau County executive position. You have a lot of weight, and she lost and she lost handily to Bruce Blakeman, who is Brad Blakeman, who's a, a pundit who worked for Bush 41 and 43. That's his uh, brother, who was actually married to Paul McCartney's new wife, on a side <laughs> note. Um, uh, you know, they're ex-wives, and they get, they're exes, but they get along great. And um, who cannot get along with Paul McCartney? Maybe he'll call in. Who knows? But uh, that happened. And also, keep in mind that DA... Uh, is now out. They've uh, they've rotated in a new one, and this is the guy that came up with. Uh, this is the guy that came up with the no cash bail. So he's now out, and so it's up to the legislature to realize how horrific that is. And then you got Eric Adams, who ran almost like a Republican, who right. won the mayor race in in uh, in New York City. And and listen, he had to win the primary. He really won the election when he won the primary, but he did it by being law and order in a time in which it was not in vogue, and the cops didn't love Eric Adams. Because he was always a constant critic, even when he was a captain. But that he realizes now what life is like without any law and order. And from Minneapolis uh, to Chicago to Seattle, uh, and to Minneapolis to a degree, I guess, but they're still doing mm-hmm. you know, carjacking every nine seconds. Right. Uh, they're realizing you need cops. Funny how that works. And by the way, um, while we're here, Charlie uh, just sent me a note. Uh, the RNC is pointing out in Georgetown, South Carolina, the third oldest town in South Carolina, incorporated in 1729 for the first time in history, elected a Republican mayor. Uh, wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, African-American lady uh, will be the first Republican mayor in, in the history of that town going back to 1729. There's something in the water. Uh, there really is. Eric, uh, now, what do you think about this? Do you think the American people, not insiders like you or, or constitutionologists or political scientists, are realizing the power of mayors and governors since this pandemic? And instead of saying, yeah, you know, that guy, that woman, yeah, I know that guy's got that office. So, you, know, not, you realize the way they shut down restaurants, shut down businesses, shut down health clubs, kept the masks on, took them off, shut down subways. The, the stuff they decreed and are still doing now makes people understand the power they have. And I think they're yeah. taking a second look. 
Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, it, people for so long have kind of abstracted to Washington. Yeah. They've kind of ignored local politics, and suddenly it's, it's the mayors who are shutting down small businesses in, in their cities. And, yeah, there there's a backlash about that growing. Now, look, I, I could talk to you all day about that, but I would be remiss if we didn't talk about your new book as well, The President and the Freedom Fighter, Abraham. Well, I'm assuming I got the right because you churn out books. I, I mean, I hate writing books. And you're like on your third, fourth, fifth book while I'm like getting my first one on the on the printer. And this one, the president of the freedom fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, the battle to save America's soul. Uh, this one's right up my alley. And I, I, two fascinating people. First of all, I got to ask you, because we've had this conversation in brief before, but it, you getting into writing these books, I, yeah. how do you even get started on what do you want to write about? Well, it takes me about nine months, in this case, like about nine months before I got it okay. I had two ideas, but this is the one that I push for. Usually I'm on the same page with my editor, not this time. And I, wa- I want them over, and we get along great, And but I want them over. And they're like, you know, I don't know if we should tackle race. I go, how, how do I move up in history and not talk about this? And I agree. Uh, Abraham Lincoln is so plowed ground, the, the most intriguing president, most written about president. Frederick Douglass just got Book of the Year by David Blight. And I go, what if I talked about, I can't do the definitive biography on anyone. I can't even do it on myself. But if I talk about who these two men were, these self-made men, give people an understanding what you can accomplish in this country the way it's set up, even today, even then, without a social safety net, and then see the journey they had, how their lives were parallel, how they intersected for a short period of time, and how America benefited from it, I think we could digest this. And I'm not writing for the Harvard professor. I'm writing for the average American, doesn't do this for a living, that wants to get perspective on the news. I did not realize how much we need history to give us some perspective when news breaks. We're not... With everything is in Jim Crow 2.0. If you don't agree with somebody and they happen to be a person of color, you don't belong in the KKK. What did we do in this country back then? We weren't a country of racists. Let me tell you in context, using their words, their quotes, I build every chapter around quotes. Their quotes about what life was like then and then how much we benefited from great people like this. You know, their intersection in history, and Frederick Douglass himself, and I realize he's, he's becoming increasingly studied. It's increasingly in vogue to pay attention again to Fed, Frederick Douglass. Uh, the man was brilliant and recognized the deep flaws in the founding and the structural problems with racism and slavery in the country, but also loved the country. And so much of we're nowadays, these conversations, they're a dichotomy of you either, if you love the country, you're racist, you've got to recognize how bad the country was. And and Douglas was someone who recognized the problems with the country, but still loved it. And there are so many lessons we can draw from that. Well, here's the thing. Uh, and this is, in a way, I lucked out. In a way, I wish I didn't. Races was part of Condoleezza Rice on The View two weeks ago. I wrote a column about that yeah. that published last Sunday. Uh, this Sunday, excuse me. Uh, this Sunday, wrote it Friday, uh, published Friday, then was airing, uh, really was put online Sunday. And it just talked about, basically, I don't want to, I want people to, kids to revel in their blackness, but not make it at the expense of little white kids, to make them feel bad for stuff they had nothing to do with. And I bring you back to what Frederick Douglass said of kids. He grew up and as, slave, as a slave without ever knowing his parents or his birthday. But you know who his best friends were? Little white kids. And he says, as I grow older, looking back at that time, I realize that kids don't see color. 
We make them see color when society kicks in. So here he is in 1830, 1840, growing up, and he's saying kids don't see color. And he's working on the docks in Baltimore, and even though he's giving his money to his slave master, people working next to him are free. He does, they have so much in common. And they say he postulates, he says, you know, maybe a generation, it has to, uh, freedom and equality has to come from the next generation as we change perceptions. You know, the frustration that 22-year-olds listening to us right now or 18-year-olds listening to us right now have with us. That's what he's saying as a teenager that this generation had with those adults. Only we're not talking subtle equality. We're talking right. about freedom and chains. In, mm-hmm. in certain areas of the South. So I'm amazed about the parallels and how much irresponsibility is going on when I see Joy Reid say last night's victory is about racism and slavery. Yeah, that's well said. And it, it it's so easy nowadays. And, and I don't know if it's social media or what. So many people now talk in binary hyperboles. It, it, it's all of this or all of that and never anything in between. And Race, I, I think. I mean, we've elected the first black president, the first black vice president. We're making real progress, and, and it's so hard to hear that in certain corners of the country right now. I, I kind of wonder if Nicole Hannah-Jones and the 1619 Project is really kind of sparked the fire that is currently burning down the Democratic Party uh, with, with how it's been embraced and pushed around the country. And, and here, back in the 1860s, you've got Abraham Lincoln comes onto the scene, doesn't want to go through the civil war tries to do everything he can to keep the peace and yet uh war is forced on him and he rose to the occasion and i guess you know you write so many biographies and, and stories about history and i've always been fascinated how it just seems like history is a story of people rising to occasions they did not want to meet and that's so perfect because what i think i want people to take away most is it, this isn't John Quincy Adams with a father that was John Adams, whose uncle was Thomas Jefferson. And not to put anything down, he was a great man, but he was born with, with intellects and, and with wealth around him. And there was, a, there was a, you know, almost a Virginia clique, nothing wrong with that. But these guys, one guy's in the Midwest with two illiterate parents, with his mom dies when he was nine, whose dad discourages him from reading and even learning to write as a waste of time. And then you have another guy born into slavery who it was a crime to teach him to read and write, and he found a way anyway. And then he becomes the most recognized person in the world. I mean, I have uh, this uh, bar owner right next to us, our, his, his name is uh, Tom, is in Ireland two weeks ago. He's sending me pictures of statues of Frederick Douglass in Ireland. Because wow. the guy was speaking in London, Ireland, Germany, through Europe. He was looked at as a great intellect, where 10 years prior, he was in slavery had to escape to freedom was in new york with no job no shelter no friends had no idea of obviously no money how he was going to survive next thing you know he's dressed to the nines impressing crowds of thousands with his philosophy on life and what america and the rest of the world had to do for equality uh and liberty i mean that's the possibility you have i'm not saying we have to be Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln. But whatever your potential is, don't let things get in your way. And that's what Condoleezza Rice was saying on The View. You know, mm-hmm. don't let – my parents told you, because my parents told me this stuff exists. It's not going to affect you. We're going to drive through it. That has to be the attitude. When it stops and we become a culture of blame, we are screwed as a mm-hmm. country. And that's why I thought this, this – 
book would resonate. I get out of the way. I let them tell their story. They wrote everything down. Their speeches are transcribed. The quotes are uh, are go check them out. There's not there's no and there's no uh, there's no interpretation of what they meant. Their vocabularies were so rich. Sometimes I had to break down what they said because they're so thick with description. I, well, listen, I, I, I could talk to you about this and about the elections for a while. I, I'm running out of time here, but I, I know you're coming to Atlanta, and I can't remember yeah. what day you're coming, and our friend Drew is going to get mad if I don't uh, no, no, tell I'm, people. I'm who coming are, Friday. Coming, coming Friday. All right. Yeah, and I'll the be Books a the, Million there. I, I've been there before. I'll be at the Books a Million. All right. Books so a million I'll be there around about 6 o'clock. Whenever you get there, if I get there early, I'll sign early. I just always I love the WSB listeners, even though they air, you guys air me from midnight to three. <laughs> I cannot believe the loyal audience that you that you generate with the power of that uh, of that antenna. Yeah, so, listen, it's it's huge, and I, I gotta I gotta tell people as well. If y'all want to order the book, if you text my name Eric E R I C K, text it to three three seven seven seven. I will text you back right now, even as I'm talking, a link to Brian's book so you can order it. Uh, and get it uh, so he can sign it on Friday, or you can buy one there if you're in the Atlanta area. It, but I'm looking forward to reading this one, Brian. It, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. It's it's nice, to, you know. I, and I I don't think I've told you this in person, but we were at the Talkers Conference, I guess, earlier this year. And I appreciate that you actually love radio. Uh, and I know you, you, Fox and Friends and all of that, but there are so many people who oh, I yeah. think get into radio and want to do other stuff. And it's just nice to have people and interact with people who actually love the medium and the connection with the audience. Yeah, I know you're up against a break, but basically I did the other way. I always wanted to do both, so I had the TV and lobbied for Tony Snow to be Tony Snow's fill-in. And then when Tony <laughs> Snow went to the White House, I was in position uh, to take mm-hmm. over. So it's something uh, anybody who's in broadcasting that doesn't want to do radio, they don't really want to do broadcasting for a living, in my right. view. Because this is what it's about. It's about communicating, not talking down to, but talking with and interacting with an audience. To me, it's the fundamental of reason we get into it. But that's just that's how I feel. And I think you feel, too. Yeah, very much so. Man, I didn't realize the Tony connection. You know, when I was in law school, that guy was such an asset to me. And then when he was in the White House, uh, brought me up to, to hang out with him one day. I miss that guy so much. Gosh, uh, he's everything great. He's one of the great people you'll ever meet in your life. Yeah, it really was. Look, I, I do have to leave it there, but Brian, it's always a pleasure, and, and uh, best of luck to you on Friday. i got to go to Louisiana for my dad's 83rd birthday, so I'll miss you, but I hope you have a good time. That's a very good reason. Thanks so much, Eric. Appreciate it. Take care. Brian Kilmeade, and again, uh, text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. I will send you back a link on Amazon where you can get his new book, The President and the Freedom Fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and Their Battle to Save America's Soul. Americans continue to navigate through multiple crises this year. We the People, a Bradley speaker series, offers insights and ideas on the current challenges we face from some remarkable organizations the Bradley Foundation supports. Visit bradleyfdn.org liberty to watch their most recent episode. It features Stephen Suckup, author of The Dictatorship of Woke Capital, How Political Correctness Captured Big Business, an Encounter Books publication. In the episode, Suckup discusses the left's gradual takeover of corporate America and why the free market hasn't been able to prevent it, the dangerous impact of shareholder activism and efforts to push back on it. That's Bradley with an L-E-Y at the end, fdn.org slash liberty to watch the video. New episodes debut weekly. Go back often, subscribe to their YouTube channel to be notified when a new episode is posted. That's bradleyfdn.org slash liberty. 
All right, those of you who are on hold, be patient with me, please. I am happy to take your phone calls, answer any of your questions about the election if I've missed anything uh, that you want to talk about. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you're in my Georgia audience, you do need to know as a matter of housekeeping that the uh, Speaker of the House of Representatives in Georgia has decided to give up five Republican seats in the House of Representatives. Uh, They didn't need to. They'll still have a majority if they do, but they don't need to give up those five seats. But they are because those five people are critics of the Speaker of the House in Georgia. So he has decided to give their seats to the Democrats to get them out of the House of Representatives. That's the sort of person you're dealing with in the Speaker's position in Georgia. And, you know, most of the Republicans go along with it. They will. Uh, You can fight it. You can complain about it. But good luck. Uh, He tends to do these sorts of things, and they've left him there. They knew he would do this sort of stuff. So he's sacrificing conservatives who have criticized him for his big spinning ways with Democrats, uh, and he'll boost the Democratic numbers in the House to do it. Now, you also need to know one other data point here. Um, The shift in New Jersey, Sean Trendy from Real Clear Politics points this out, and this is a deeply, deeply bad news for Democrats. The shift in New Jersey that has wrecked so much havoc on the Democratic Party in New Jersey. I mean, the president of the state Senate is now expected to lose. The most powerful man in the state legislature is expected to lose to a man who spent $153 in his campaign. A a truck driver who decided to run for office is set to beat the Senate president in New Jersey by about 2,000 votes. The swing in New Jersey to the Republicans came from Hispanic voters. The biggest swings throughout New Jersey were in Hispanic enclaves. They decisively swung to the Democrats. That's bad for the Democrats. And Republicans in Virginia won 52% of the Hispanic vote. That's bad for the Democrats. Really good news for the GOP. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. It is official, official, not official, official. The Republican has won the city attorney's race in Seattle, Washington, Um, first time documented that a Republican has won that race. Uh, The Democrat ran on defunding the police. So the Republican won. Also, the Senate president in New Jersey appears to have lost to a man who spent $153 on the race. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, to the phones we go. Tim, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Tim, how are you? Thanks for being patient. No problem, no problem. Hey, I just want to say a couple of a couple of things. One, okay, I'm a 49-year-old black Christian conservative Trump supporter from West Georgia, so I'm one of those unicorns. Um, <laughs> I think that... You power America! Think, <laughs> yeah, hey. <laughs> anyway, I, I think that um, the domestic and international mess that the U.S. is in now, again, created uh, starting, I guess, Inauguration Day of this year. I think... Uh, in opposition to what you just said earlier, I think it requires a Trump to straighten it out because the man's got attitude, imagination, a boundless energy, 
um, the ability to strike fear in the eyes of the foreign enemies and the ability to see solutions to the nation's ill outside of government. Um, however, 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 having said that, I think probably the a really, really good alternative for Mr. Trump would really be if he were to run for the House and then get the speakership. That way he has the opportunity to sit in that Speaker of the House role for as many years as he wants to. He has legislative power. He has the power to be a kingmaker, which he likes to do. And then he can work with a conservative um, president to continue to keep the country on the right track. Honestly, I really think that him being in uh, the speaker role would be far, far better position, both for the country and for, um, for him, uh, because he, he likes to be in that, in that position of leadership. And, you know, president only gives you four years. Um, That's and in an terms intriguing of, idea, actually. Yeah. And in terms of in terms of, uh, you know, someone who could take his place again, I think whoever that person needs to be, it needs to be someone who's got that kind of boundless energy, imagination, attitude and who can strike fear. I don't know if it's DeSantis or if it's Haley, but I don't see anyone who comes up closer to those two to Trump than those two. Yeah, I'm I'm. I, listen, I don't disagree that Republicans are going to have someone who's willing to fight for their convictions and not just um, say he agrees and then does nothing. I think yeah. putting him in the Speaker of the House would be intriguing because you could draw him a very safe seat in a safe Republican state and put him in, and, and you'd have enough Republicans who went for him. And then, of course, if something happens, he's third in line to the presidency as well. Um, yep. I, I do think we do have to be mindful as as Republicans, and this is my concern moving forward, is that you do have a number of states that he lost this time, uh, that he won the last time. Votership now will the voters shift back to him and say, "Well, Biden was bad. Uh, Biden was worse than we thought. Trump was better than that." Maybe uh, my suspicion is a lot of those voters w- maybe. Well, we tried the first guy and now he's back. We don't like the second guy either. Let's just stay home. Uh, and then it becomes a base election, and there are more of them than there are of us. If you look at the numbers, that's my concern. Uh, he can think- certainly go ahead. No, I, I think I think that by the time we get through with 22 and get and start getting into 23 and whatnot, I think you're going to have so many people around the country on all sides of the aisle who have been who have been third degree burned by the Biden administration. I think that you'll have a you'll have a, a boatload of people who will be looking for a strong strong alternative, and I think you'll get to a place where people will become more forgiving of the good that they turned away in Trump, as well as more forgiving of the, uh, the, the, the tweets and all that other foolishness. Um, I think that they'll be looking at him in a totally different light. However, ha- however, having said that, I still think that he has got more power in the Speaker of the House. And I honestly believe that he doesn't want power for power's sake. I think he wants power for the good of the country to do that making America great thing. And he can do that more and for more years as Speaker of the House. 
Well, listen, um, you, you could put him in a Speaker of the House. He controls the committee chairman spots. He controls the budget. He controls uh, what amounts for taxation. So, look, uh, Tim, it's an intriguing idea. I, I appreciate the time uh, you spent. Man, it's great to be able to have a, a phone system back where I can I can actually have a real conversation with, with some, of, some of you, particularly uh, Tim's idea. It's intriguing. Uh, the Democrats tried to beat Glenn Youngkin by tying him to Donald Trump and it didn't work. The question is, is it because Trump wasn't on the ballot or, or what have you? I, I don't know. You know, even Van Jones last night before the election results came in said this about Glenn Youngkin. Um, you do have the, the grassroots folks out there fighting for this on the Democratic Party side. The stakes are high. Uh, when this election is over in Virginia, we will know. Have we seen the emergence of the Delta variant of Trumpism, the Delta variant of Trumpism? In other words, Yunkin, uh, same disease, but spreads a lot faster and can get a lot more places. The suburbs, if they fall to him, you well, now that's have, implying that yeah that Yunkin is more dangerous than uh, well, the president, it, 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 I, well, former well, president. No, no, more easy to spread. Okay, because oh. be, more more easy, easy to spread. More easy to spread. Yeah, it, it, he tried real hard. Um, but he didn't quite get there. I, I got to play you a little more audio from from Van Jones because after the results came in, uh, it was it was an interesting thing to listen to him. There's something happening out here. It could be just anti-incumbent. I think that's a part of it. But I think that there's something else that's happening. I think that I think that the Democrats are coming across in ways that we don't recognize, that are annoying and offensive, um, and seem out of touch in ways that I don't think show up in our feeds when we're looking at, at, at our kind of echo chamber. And I think that this is a message here. So I, I think Biden's troubles are bigger than uh, this particular issue. And I think that, um, you know, the Democratic Party, I mean, everybody that I'm talking to tonight, they're saying this is a big, big wake up call. It, it should be. Here's Jake Tapper as well at CNN. And I think it's just important for us to remember the, the kind of the backdrop here. The backdrop is that President Biden's approval ratings are underwater. More people in the United States disapprove of his job performance than approve of his job performance. Yes. Inflation is up. Prices are up in terms of uh, home heating oil. Uh, the, jo- the economy has not bounced back the way people wanted. People are still struggling with COVID. A lot of frustration in schools right. in New Jersey and in Virginia with mask policy, vaccine policy, parents frustrated because schools were closed. So in-person learning for so long, there is a discontent. You look yes. at the right track, wrong track numbers. You ask voters, is the country on the right track or the wrong track? It's something like 75% say the wrong track. Yes. And Anderson Cooper. How much of this is a message just the Democratic Party that it's too far left? I, I mean, that, that if you're the squad or if you're, you know, someone who's been calling for, for defund police um, or socialism or democratic socialism. I wonder, but I wonder, I wonder if, if, if Thierry had been able to stick on a message of economic progress, uh, you know, family uh, uh, leave and minimum wage and that kind of stuff. And uh, maybe we wouldn't be making this argument. In other, in other words, in other words, uh, th- there was an economic message uh, from the Democrats that was available and was necessary given the rising costs. But what happened is uh, we, we, we pulled out of our own federal uh, bill all the family leave stuff. You're undermining the economic message for Terry McAuliffe and leave him with Trump is bad and, and vaccine mandates are good. Uh, I, just, I, 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 I don't okay. know that this is an up or down he, vote on, on, and, prog- on, on progressive politics. It's and he up- leaned in to the school issue. I was stunned when he handed Yunkin 
the issue of the campaign. I don't think parents should be involved in the schools. And then literally on the eve of the election, he's running around Virginia with Randy Weingarten, the head of the union that kept the schools closed. It's not just the curriculum issue. The schools were closed. Parents were pissed. They knew they should have been open. And McAuliffe not only handed it to Yunkin on a tee, he then at the end of the campaign flipped everyone off and said, I'm going to even run on it even harder. And it has killed him in these suburbs. Yes, it did. And, you know, here's the thing. You you cannot, you've got to appreciate this. You have to understand this. So much of the Democratic policy out there right now is being set by 20 and 30-something childless people. The only children they've ever had are the ones they aborted. They, they, they don't, I, I, listen, I, I, don't, I don't intend to say that flippantly. They don't have kids. They would much prefer they be aborted. They're bad for the environment, the little mouth breathers. And so much of the Democratic Party, is, their, their, their policies are now being set by these people. They don't have kids in school. To the extent they have kids in school, they're in private schools. They're not in public schools. They are completely removed from the plight of parents during the pandemic. And they haven't offered a way past the pandemic. Notice there has not been a lot of conversation about the pandemic. My personal opinion is that we're going to suddenly see a massive conversation shift on the issue of the pandemic. Why? Because it didn't show up as a big issue in the polling, but it enveloped everything else. It enveloped so much of what they did in the last year that affected everything else, that it becomes really relevant to how everyone sees the world and how everyone flows through to the issue. It's a very big deal. And I suspect you're going to start seeing the Democrats start changing their policies and get away from constant mass mandates and school shutdowns and, and reductions of workforce and things like that because so much of it affected the country, so much of it affected the economy, so much of it affected uh, everybody's well-being. And people are really, really upset about it. And it is that COVID issue and the pandemic response that then goes to the economy and it goes to jobs and it goes to education. It goes to all those other issues. And again, so many of the Democrats who are setting so many of those policies don't have kids and therefore for they're, they're oblivious to them. That sort of stuff really, really matters. You know, one of the groups that actually understands this stuff and, and so is fighting for small businesses around the country is the Job Creators Network. They've been pushing the last couple of weeks during the World Series for the woke companies in Atlanta like Delta and Coke to hand over any World Series tickets they had to the small businesses out there that were actually hurt by the boycotts that the big Fortune 500 woke companies encouraged as uh, Major League Baseball moved the All-Star game out of Atlanta to Denver. And so they've been pushing the woke businesses to try to help those small businesses that they punished by going woke and help, helping Major League Boycott Atlanta. Well, the World Series has been a hit. Atlanta won. Those small businesses are reaping dividends around the battery in Atlanta uh, where the, the teepee is that the Braves play in. And the Job Creators Network has been there with them. They are the nation's premier small business advocacy organization. They are intrinsically conservative. They are wonderfully helpful, wonderfully useful. If you are a small business, you should consider 
affiliating with the Job Creators Network because they're a good conservative small business group. Their website is jobcreatorsnetwork.com, jobcreatorsnetwork.com, and they are an organization for the job creators. And in America, that means the small businesses and the Job Creators Network has your back, jobcreatorsnetwork.com. Hello there, this is Eric Erickson. It is my show, and this hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. They are in Noonan, Georgia, but they can help you nationwide. Doesn't matter where you are, but not individually, as a business. If you run a business and you need access to really big loans, six figures and up, First Liberty is who you want to talk to. FirstLibertyGA.com is their website. FirstLibertyGA.com, you get their contact info, spend 10 minutes with them. See if they're a good fit for you. See if you're a good fit for them and go do great business together. FirstLibertyGA.com. All right. We got other stuff. This is, uh, I'm just, I got to read you this tweet here. This is from NBC10, Philadelphia. Steve Sweeney, the most powerful Democrat in the New Jersey legislature, is still down over 2,000 votes to Edward Durr a truck driver from South Jersey. The Republican newcomer spent just $153 at Dunkin' Donuts to feed his staff and to buy some flyers. Literally ran on Dunkin' Donuts and appears to have beaten the most powerful Democrat in the New Jersey legislature. That This is a shift of Hispanic voters. So while I'm sitting here, just so you understand, while I'm sitting here, while you're listening to me, House Democrats in Washington, D.C. have just decided to go for broke. They have decided they are going to pass their own reconciliation package, regardless of whether it can pass the Senate or not, and they are going to pour everything they want to do. This is phenomenal. They've learned nothing. They're doubling down after last night. So they're going to put in unpaid family leave. They're going to put in paid family leave. They're going to put in every progressive grab bag. The Green New Deal is going to be in there. Uh, An immigration amnesty plan for illegal aliens is going to be there. They're going to dump it all in, demand that the House Democrats vote for it, and then watch it die in the Senate because it can't pass reconciliation. At this point, it's a messaging bill. They are giving up. That's, That's the key takeaway here. The Democrats are giving up, and Joe Biden is offering no guidance. As Joe Biden landed in Washington, D.C. last night, the news networks that waited, they could have called it around 9 o'clock, but they waited and waited and waited until after 11 o'clock. MSNBC waited later than most. As Joe Biden was landing last night, they called Virginia for Glenn Youngkin. Biden offered no statements. Earlier in the day, he said he thought they were going to win. He offered nothing, nothing last night, and today... This morning, the White House said there would be no events. Now they've added one about COVID and making your kids get a vaccine. Five-year-olds and vaccines, that's really going to do a lot to change the narrative. You got to listen to this from John Heilman. This was on MSNBC this morning. Let let me get to that really quickly, and then we'll go to the third chart. Americans are conservative. With a small C, they're conservative. You go back and we all talk about the extraordinary things that LBJ did in 64 and 65. What did that lead to? That led to Republicans having a better 66, a better election in 66 in the off year than they had had in years. That led to a guy named Ronald Reagan starting his political campaign out in California. You can see the same thing with Obamacare. Obamacare passes, and yes, Americans love it now, but the reaction to that was harsh. Obamacare brought us the Tea Party. 
and, and we're seeing it again but here. Right. Your analysis, but your analysis is your analysis. COVID, right. people wanted a lot of action right. in post-COVID. Right. Like they wanted a lot of action after 9-11. Right. But then those numbers went back to what Amer- Americans are, again, conservative with a small city. So that suggests but, that Biden misread the demand for more government because of the pandemic. He should have seen that as a well, blip or, rather or, than an enduring demand. The, well, or I think, is it that I, the I, programs worked to some extent and so people's lives felt better and therefore they didn't want as much spending mm, going forward? No. I'm going to show you the answer in chart number three, which is, in fact, Americans' lives aren't better. Aren't better. Aren't better. America's lives aren't better. They have less take-home pay. And the Democrats, by the way, are doubling down, saying they actually do have more take-home pay when they don't. They're, they, they they don't know what hit them last night. And again, y'all, I last night, it wasn't the midterms. You got to keep reminding yourself of that. Last night was not the midterms. We are now a year away from the midterms. A year from now will be the midterms. But those races, they are harbingers of the midterms. The Virginia gubernatorial race tends to indicate, and if the Virginia House delegates flips, you know it's going to be bad for the party in power in Washington and that House delegates flipped. It's going to be bad next year. Tomorrow, we'll move on to other stuff. But my goodness, the fallout continues in New Jersey as Hispanic voters overwhelmingly flipped to the GOP, just as they did in New Jersey or in Virginia. And the Democrats are only just now dawning in it. Tomorrow, Hispanic voters are going to be racist, apparently. Maybe amnesty will die. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan, say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com.